on Sky Sports Radio. Time to review the weekend's racing with our stable of experts. He's pretty exciting, this guy. Streeting his rivals. Who impressed? Who didn't? Horses to follow. And have a look at the time. And your calls. Welcome to Punter's Postmortem. Really starting to go through his gears. Just continues to raise the bar. Uh-oh. Good morning and welcome to Punters Post Mortem on this Monday, the uh, 26th of February. And we are flying through Feb, but it'll be March before you know it. And the good races will continue. Our panel today, uh, well, we've got the crew back and this will be our mainstay crew all the way through autumn. And then when we get into spring, I speak of Ron Duffersey, David Gately and Chris Roots from the Sydney Morning Herald. And looking forward to how it all unfolds of a weekday, you can be tuning into not only the podcast but also Punters Postmortem and getting involved with the show on 135353, which is the open line number, or the text line, which is 0419-767-272. So we're looking forward to getting you guys involved with the show throughout the course of the morning. Let's welcome in Duff, though, to kickstart proceedings. Ron, another great week. Rose Hill, I thought, uh, was sensational on the weekend. And a couple of interesting results and a couple of horses putting themselves up for a big campaign ahead. Yeah, always an exciting time of year. You get the two-year-olds, the three-year-olds, the uh, wait-for-age horses. So we, we get an opportunity to line them up early. And there was a few that put their hand up there on uh, Saturday for sure. David Gately was in our uh, Melbourne studio for Sky One on the weekend. Gator, Mr Brightside, just delivers again. That was beautiful to watch. Yeah, good morning to you and, and the team and punters, of course, as well. And, yeah, he's, um, well, I think the best uh, uh, analogy, he's, he's a modern-day better loosen up, isn't he? And I think the, the thing he has, even over that horse, is his ability to race anywhere, um, you know, on any... And in any speed, any track, nothing bothers him. And it'd be fascinating. He and uh, Fangirl, they've both probably got their hand up as Australia's best horse. Um, can only be one, though. It will be fascinating to see how that uh, all unfolds and when they eventually will clash. And Chris Roots from the Sydney Morning Herald. Chris, hello to you, mate. Um, I think Duff summed it up pretty good. We get the, the flavour of all the different ages uh, at Rose Hill and, and Caulfield on the weekend, and it didn't disappoint. Yeah, first uh, real big day of autumn, isn't it? And um, I think there was a, a a bit to take out of all the races. Great to see Zoo Gotcha back in the best of her forms. James McDonald just gave two peaches, and then another one yesterday. If you if you want to go and go and get a clinic, go and watch James McDonald on on Romantic Warrior yesterday. It was just it was a beautiful warrior to watch. He rode a treble for the day, and um, he's in top form and just um, hiding up now. It certainly is. Uh, he'll be back, of course, to ride some good horses here over the course of the autumn. But, uh, yeah, that uh, yesterday in full flight in that cup over in Hong Kong, him and Zach, away they went. Duff, let's talk about Rose Hill to kickstart. We'll get a comment from everyone on the panel. I want to start with the Hobartville. Um, Les Bridge, uh, Darren said in his call, it's been a while between drinks since he's won this race. I spoke to him before Celestial Legend had its first uh, start this campaign. That was before the Eskimo Prince. And he said, look, uh, he's uh, he, he feels like a bit of a different horse. He's definitely grown. He's become stronger. I think he's got ability. One of Les's great lines is, well, look, talk is cheap. He's got to do it on the racetrack. And boy, oh, boy, did he do it on Saturday. He certainly did. And um, he did get a good ride. He got an absolute gem of a ride from the... 
uh, barrier 10 from McAvoy to slotting in there and, and getting out at the right time. But um, he he's a classic case of uh, when you're doing your form, you do have to take in bias you know, because um, a few people went away from the estimate Prince saying, oh, he was pretty plain there. He was just whacking away to the line, but uh, the fence was a no-go zone there and he proved that on Saturday, uh, found the right part of the track. And you've got to love love his last 100 metres where he just kept running and running and running and, and um, yeah, he's a good horse. He's a very good horse. It'll be a great clash come Guinea's Day because Tom Kitten will lose no admirers. He he just wasn't sharp enough for 1,400. He, he, he was sort of rattled a bit. Um, at that distance, he's better when he gets to a mile and further when you can leave him alone and do his thing. So I, I wouldn't uh, drop off him yet. He, he's had the two runs he's had to have uh, going forward, and he, he's going to be a real force at a mile and 2,000, and who knows after that. And Cap is, is uh, just um, terrific again. He just uh, round the mark in all these big races. He covered ground. Although, um, in retrospect, a lot of horses wide no cover ran well there on Saturday, but he was still very good. LeVampier, uh, up in class, did a good job, had his chance leading up front. And the horse I want to follow is uh, Theo Wolf. Um, I think he's a good horse. Uh, don't know how uh, at what distance. I think it might be 2,000 metres plus. But um, we'll see his progression next time we see him. But I'm, I'm tipping it's a, it's a fair bit. Chris, what did Les say after the race, mate? Because uh, there was a you – know, we saw those shots – after it went across the line, straight away on Sky Thoroughbred Central, the shots of Les and, and some connections. And uh, he's got some lofty ambitions for this bloke now. Yeah, he has, hasn't he? And the biggest tip of the day was Bonho flying in from Hong Kong. He, he never saw Classic Legend. Well, he got to see a very good one on Saturday in, in, in the flesh. And Kieran gave it an absolute peach for a ride. The, the race sort of got made at about coming around the turn because... Um, Tom Kidden is a horse that needs to have its revs up and, and can't stop and start. It's not, it's a, it's more that classic stayer that just keeps rolling into the races. He got up inside Cafe Millennium and um, got got basically stopped. And Kieran went in front of him. And when Kieran went on on Celestial Legend, he just couldn't sprint with him. He was okay through the line. I, I wouldn't be, I would be throwing him him away way after that race. I think. A bigger track at Randwick, a small, probably a smaller field, and and he'll be he'll be right there with Celestial Legend. But it's shaping up as a great Giddies now, with uh, Militarised to come back and join those two. Um, the Gen Cap will run run a really strong mile. He he just needs to draw a gate. Um, it's just it's a they're they're not a great bunch of three rods, but they're very competitive, and that's what what makes it makes for good betting races and everyone's going to have their opinion come guineas day because i think you'll be looking at four or five four four or five dollars the field and you'll be able to back the horse you want at a good price very interesting uh and as i come to you gator to get a comment on the race but just as you said there about you might get four five five dollars the field well uh tim ryan and the bookies aren't thinking that way at the yet at this stage chris because Militarised with the tab is two fifty in the Randwick Guineas, and Celestial Legends at four fifty. Uh, obviously, he did trim up after the performance in the Hobartville. Tom Kitten is at six dollars, and you got NCAP eleven, uh, Griffith fifteen, uh, and Immediacy, who we're going to touch on a little bit later, of course, which is, was a winner there in Melbourne on Saturday. It's at a fifteen dollar price. Do you think those two should be that far apart? Militarised at two fifty in Celestial Legends. I know there's a 
a few weeks to water to roll into the bridge here, but I thought they would have been closer. Yeah, look, I, I think the market will have them a bit closer as we get closer to game day. It's interesting. I always look at it from a perspective of um, how would I frame the market, as in how much money do I want to lose? Um, you know, it doesn't seem to be the, uh, the mantra <laughs> of a lot uh, these days. But, um, yeah, I'd, I wouldn't be risking Melitrize too much more than that, though, if I was going to lose my own money. Um, yeah, he's probably the, the top seed for me. But uh, look, the what, can I race... can I ask what, what what makes him the the top seed? Is it purely historical form that he's got from last preparation, and obviously what he did first up? Is that is that just what you put it down to as having number num uh, having him as number one seed, so to speak? Yeah, look, there's no nothing else to go on. You know, I think there's only recent uh, history. We know generations certainly two and three can improve and mature quickly, so we have to take that on board into each campaign. But his first up run was was good. He got Winburn from Fangirl, but um, you know what would have what would have these been able to cap- what would this um, group uh, been capable of against that girl? And remember, he ran really well in a Cox Plate as well. Um, and again, I'm not sure a few of these would be, be able to run as well as he did. So, um, so there's two parts to to answer your question. One, definitely. Uh, so, a if you're putting them in order for me, uh, a recent form this prep because some mature quicker than others. B, what have they done in history? And uh, C, what's the upside? And, and, you know, the other big one. What about uh, yourself, Duff? Do you you feel as though those two deserve to be that far apart in the market at this stage? Well, he does have performance on the board, Militarise. He's a Golden Rose winner. Um, he was beaten two lengths in a Cox Plate, as Gator said, and he was he, he took on the older horses with uh, first up uh, uh, in the uh, I think the Apollo. So he run second to Fangirl. We're saying she's the best horse in Sydney. So that you know does a win over Fangirl um, or a win over Encap, uh, where uh, militarised surge past Encap in a Golden Rose last prep. That's last prep's form. So I I. I think he has to be favourite, and um, it's just a matter of the upside to the others. He's got performance on the board. They've they've all resumed well. Those those horses in the market, and uh, yeah, it, it'll just come down to differing opinions. But he he is a definite you know favourite there. He has to be. Mm. Uh, now, Chris, I know we're touching on the the guineas here, the Ramwick guineas. We won't be too far away, but most of these horses. In this market, you would envisage them heading that way, wouldn't you? Militarised, Celestia Legend, Tom Kitten, NCAP. Um, uh, Griff, obviously, was a little bit puzzling the other day. But immediacy was good. As I said, we'll touch on him. And obviously, the other horse there, um, uh, Riff Rocket. But it's going to go to the Australian Guineas, uh, Riff Rocket. We know that's sort of the plan with him, isn't he, with the uh, the Melbourne prep? Yeah, well, Chris likes to split his, two, his horses. So Riff Rocket's obviously been sent down to Melbourne for... To, to win the guineas down there, and he thought he had the the one for he was militarised. I just can't get it as short as two dollars fifty. I think it has to it has to ease in the market to that the form has to come back to those other three rounds a little bit. Um, Les, Les, I had a chat to Les after the race, and he was, I said, "Is there a race you haven't won that you really want to win?" I said, "Because I don't think he hasn't won a Derby." And I said, "Do you want to win a Derby?" He goes, "Nah." Um, you know, I don't know whether this horse is good enough to win. He goes, he goes, but this horse might be good enough to win me a Cox Plate, and I haven't won one of those yet. 
Wow. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's a big wrap. And as I said, when he, when he does speak, Les, you take note. While we are talking about these three-year-olds, I'll go down to Melbourne and we'll. Uh, I know we've got Andrew on the line. Andrew, if you could just hold one more race because I want to ask about immediacy, uh, who was very good beating some up and uh, coming youngsters from the Ma Eustace team and uh, not Ma Eustace team, but the Ma team and also the Anthony and Sam Friedman team. Did immediacy show you enough? Gated to, to jump on the truck and head north. Was that a, a really good performance in your eyes? Yeah, look, it was. Um, certainly to the eye. Uh, really strong speed. Um, clearly played into his hands. And the blinkers, application of the blinkers, seemed to be the difference. And in his two wins to date, he really had trouble sort of pick up and quickening in his races. And that's a bit of inexperience as well, but can also be the makeup of, of an athlete. And uh, with the gear on, gee, travelled sweetly, strong speed, cruised into it and then sprinted. So, gee, it's a good recipe, isn't it? He's run quicker time uh, than Campionessa and Gold Trip, um, albeit of a much faster tempo. So that's where overall time can be a bit misleading. But what he has done is beaten Caracas, who has a, um, uh, they've got a really strong opinion of that horse by three lengths, and there were margins behind as well. I think the fifth horse, Time to Chat, who shows promise, and even Just a Boom, uh, they were beat eight and a half lengths. So, uh, look, a lot to like, and he's one out of that box C with all that upside, start number three on Saturday. I would have thought um, they're really nice horses, but I, I just thought they're at 1,800 too quickly, and I think they're more Rose Hill Guineas, uh, Derby types to my eye, uh, with these other horses up in distance with a turn of speed, a change of speed uh, that might be needed to win a Randwick Guineas, might just have their edge at the moment, but... I'm not saying that once we get to 2,000 metres. Now, maybe they're, maybe they're the Clark horses more than coming up here for a guineas. Like, um, stay down there. They use the build up towards the derby down there rather than um, come to Sydney and uh, stay on, on the leg you're on. So, um, and I think the Alistair Clark went to 750 last year. So, it's not a bad prize if, you, if you've got a, got a three, three year old that's one by three legs and, and can meet basically the same field again. 200 metres more of the valley. Andrew's on the line. Good morning, Andrew. Welcome to the Punters Postmortem. Morning. Thank you. What have you got for us, mate? Oh, look, I'm a, I own a breed. I'm obviously a mug because I'm trying to breed stays in Australia. I've been doing it for about 15-odd years. And um, Anyway, uh, I've got a reasonably progressive horse. One, a benchmark, 88, over 2,000 metres in Sydney now four weeks ago. There has not been another staying race available for that horse now until next weekend. That's five weeks between runs that that horse has had to wait to get another race. So I'm just wondering, I spoke speak to the trainers about it, and they said, well, there's no accountability race in New South Wales. There's no one you can talk to. I just thought I might bring it to someone's attention to say, you know, what is this? what are we trying to do to help stayers in this state? It is a question that has been raised before. Uh, I might come to you here, Chris. How does all that get planned from a programming point of view? So it's a, a traditional sort of thing and it's a problem that happens with a lot of these staying races. They go, they ran into dead ends and they don't just keep building them up. Like we had a 1,900 metre parameter cup there on the weekend but it wasn't for an 88 horse that's just won an 88 and that's a problem. Like I think programming is one of the things that uh, Ricky Callender and, and the trainers are, are really working hard on with racing New South Wales and just just the ability to step through the grades like um, you win an 88 and you're basically pretty close to open class you might be able to have another one but there's not if there's not a race if there are 75 sixes and 78s coming through 
you're not going to drop back from 88 to a 78 unless you're at the bottom of the weight. So they just they just need to get it right, and and they need to listen. That's the that's the thing I keep hearing from traders. Some points we have have the same race as programmed in the same area on the same uh, on two days in a, in a row, which doesn't help anyone and doesn't help food sizes. Well, Friday nights tell you that. And we give them dual acceptors in the same greater race, and it decimates fields. So, it's I reckon programming is a very difficult situation because there's there's self interest there with whatever you want. Um, I think at one stage there they were getting a database of horses in work, which sounded pretty logical to me, and and their ratings and the the type of horses they are, just to for future program to see what horses are in work at what benchmark level, at what distance range that their, their horses peak up at. But I don't know whether that worked. I see there's a benchmark 88, 2000 on Saturday, um, 2000 metres. Uh, but um, as Andrew said, maybe it's it's five weeks between since the last one. So The, hard, the thing is, Duff, we said, you've got um, the, the way programs use, and our, our traditional programming with our our elite races is two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. And there's not many horses that can sustain a program that's two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. You now no. need, they now need three. And, yes. And uh, and if you ask Chris Waller, and that, uh, I'll use um, Switzerland as a, a, a an example here, he wanted to go three, 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 two into the Golden Sleeper. So that's why he went Piero play, so he had the extra week into the um, into the... Uh, Tubman, and then two weeks into the flipper for the grand final. So you look at that and you say, well, this is the way the best trainer is programming his horses, and uh, it's the way most trainers are programming because they can't pick them up with um, butte and things like that. They can't as, as much as they used to. Used to, so um, they need to actually go and have a t- chat to them and say, well, if we've got an eighty-eight staying race, it's probably three weeks before we need the next one, but we're going to get the same group of horses and. What makes good racing for putters is different form lines, and we just don't get that. Like you could have a, you could have a Friday. They've got a great opportunity with Friday nights to sort of put in, put in races there that they don't want to race on Saturdays, and but don't put in the same races at the same distance levels. Mm. Andrew, I'm not sure if you're still there, mate. But does that is that yes. assist you? And at least the conversation has started. Well, that's and that's the thing that you know the trainers are saying there's there's no point talking to anyone because no one listens. So let's restart the conversation. I mean, I guess nothing will ever change. Thanks for your call, mate. Thirteen fifty three fifty three is the open line number. Gator, uh, we saw a great win in Melbourne in the Blue Diamond from a, a horse, a lot of history around, uh, obviously, Clint and uh, his family that have won this race before. But uh, what did you make of the Blue Diamond winner and what did you make of the runner-up? Because I'm fairly sure a lot of Sydney was on the, on the runner-up because we thought how good Sydney horse goes down there. Uh, she was sensational, obviously, in her start prior. And, uh, gee, um, she's gone enormous too, Lady of Camelot. Yeah, agree. The Quinella were both outstanding, weren't they? I mean, uh, the winner... Uh, sat midfield, sort of wide, and she peeled wider before the turn. So it's not as if she had this lovely cart into the race and still spotted uh, Lady of Camelot five or six lengths and and steamed home to arrive, you know, right on the line. And um, who was the better run? I don't know. You can argue till the end of the end of time if you like. But Lady of Camelot's um, up on this uh, really strong speed, and I think we all looked at the race and thought um, it doesn't look so fierce this year. <laughs> Such a trap for young players. And then, then, of course, everyone who owns a horse in the Blue Diamonds looking at the same thing. 
and they take advantage, inverted commas, of that, set up a hot speed. Uh, she broke clear-ish, um, certainly paddling late, but, you know, she's um, she's run enormous Lady of Camelot. Unfortunately, we're no richer, but um, Kriangi was good. Anisa and Stay Focused, they're all rock solid. They never stopped trying. Despite the fierce speed, 1.9 lengths over the first six of them, you know, 34-1 to first 600, had them eight lengths above Group one two-year-old average. So mm. um, do not think for a second they weren't steaming along. And that set up the fast time. Um, yeah, but Quinella outstanding. Some good little runs behind, but Quinella uh, on, you know, clearly ahead of the rest for mine. What, what do we do with the favourite? What, what do we do with him? Uh, the favourite was... Coleman. Coleman, oh, he's certainly had an off day. I mean, that's his first average run, isn't it? Yeah. Um, he was alongside the winner on the turn. So... I uh, looked through the stewards' report, couldn't find an excuse. He did race a bit keenly. I wonder if that's an end of prep. I know he's early in the prep, right? But he's a two-year-old. Um, that can often be a sign that they've come to the end of it. But um, I'm, I'm clutching at straws. He was he was well below what I expected. Yeah. And of course, we had that. Oh, we, I was going to just bring you in here, uh, Rudy, because I know we've got David on the line. In fact, I might get David, uh, who's our caller, because I think he wants to know about bodyguard. And I know that you've uh, are close with the Snowden team. Chris, so maybe you can help explain exactly what happened. Morning, David. Hey, good morning, boys. Look, um, I was going to back bodyguard in the Blue Diamond. Um, I just want to know, um, first of all, I want to know what's happened, whether um, he's out for long. But also, it'd be a tragedy if he, he doesn't race again or because um, it was one point... I think it cost $1.6 million, I think. Um, you know, a huge amount at, at the sales. And if it's lame, that'd be <laughs> terrible, wouldn't it, for the owners and those connected and it, he did look a good cult so chris what happened with bodyguard what how did it all play out so thursday they uh grace forbes went and vetted it, vetted it and found it to be lame friday it was taken out of the race and i believe that there's been an embargo put on the horse by racing victoria vets it will be back in sydney now i think and the Snowdens are already walking with New South Wales stewards getting that embargo lifted so that they could run, maybe run it again before the slipper, but they don't need to because I think it's got enough prize money to get in. They're very disappointed with what happened. Um, but the the feeling I'm getting is that they they want scans and things. Uh, Grace Forbes want scans and all sorts of things from a two-year-old. Like, um, this is the problem when... Vets get involved with two-year-olds three days out from a race and have seen them on race day and haven't haven't said, well, I'm a bit worried about that action. Like the action should have should uh, shouldn't have changed that much from what what it was to what it was when they trotted it up on race day. So um, I think a lot of the time, if, with the with especially with horsemen like Peter Snowden, they know their horses down to down to. Down, right down to the ground, so they know oh, I might have a funny action. He might come out and take a few um, bad ones as it comes out of the things. But you need to, when you're trotting it up, you just need to give it give it that time because that's what their job is. And then they get a vet coming in with uh, with uh, having one look at them and deciding that they need to go and get um, contingency taken and things like that. So um, I would expect that bodyguard would run in Sydney and run in the Golden Slipper and run well in the Golden Slipper. Okay, all right. Um, and you had a question, Ruta, for, for Gator? Yeah, Gator. The first four home in the Blue Diamond with Billy. And up here, we've had the Colts being the be- be- having the best of it all the way through. 
Um, is that um, significant in Melbourne that the Phillies were better? Because the winner did start 15-1, to 1, and was it a case of ignoring the absolute obvious that the best, the best Philly got out to a silly price? Yeah, well, I mean, with the benefit of, of hindsight, I would have loved to have backed her. Um, I mean, it's not as if she was doing anything wrong. In the key lead-up race, the, the prelude, um, they were identical on the clock, the boys and the girls. Um, almost identical first 500, uh, almost identical closing sectionals and overall time. So going into the race, there wasn't a lot between uh, the boys and the girls from the key lead-up races in Melbourne. Um, I gravitated to Lady of Camelot before the race, given what she did on the clock there at Rose Hill, uh, um, as I say, you can argue forever who was the better run um, on the day. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure um, what to to put that down to. A couple of the Colts, as we touched on with Coleman and so on, have clearly underperformed to expectation. I think if they ran to expectation, you've got Coleman, you know, finishing right with Lady of Camelot, um, Coriangi. So there's that factor as well, I think. It's interesting. We all do form, and it's easy after the race. But and as Gator said in the lead-up, there was exactly the same time. The two kilo, two, the Phillies got two kilos, so you'd have to give them a plus for that. So you could have marked they were as good as the Colts. And with Coleman, another one. In retrospect, we're working with thousand-metre form. You know, these fickle two-year-olds can go, you know, run really good at a thousand, and when you step them up, they they they're left wanting. So maybe that's a question mark as well whether he was just a running two-year-old, but we'll learn more about him next prep. But um, with the winner, one thing I'll say in a favour, she's proved that she can hope, cope with high pressure at 1,200 metres. So did, she's not out of the slipper picture, and, and I still think Lady Camelot's right there because she's, uh, uh, she's there, the typical up there, um, bluff them out of the lead and uh, at your own cost if you take her on. So as we saw on Saturday... Um, he thought he'd have a go spy wire and he was just gutted. Yeah, she'll have some company in the slipper from the stable months. Mm. You reckon? I don't think so. She's pretty fast. Um, gentlemen, we're going to get to a, a break. Uh, but before we get to a break, uh, two things. Firstly, great day at uh, Mudgee yesterday with uh, the CDRA Country Champ uh, final for that particular district. Uh, getting underway and, and being run and won. Great day out for Aaron Bullock, as always. Um, he just continues to... It's like he's a furlong ahead of uh, of some of these jocks and uh, he just gets them in wonderful positions. Yes, he's on some good cattle, so that does help. But uh, some of his SPs yesterday, too, were a good prices. So Lockdown Gamble and Musical Affair both go through. Uh, lockdown Gamble for uh, David Smith, and that was big day for him to win that race there at Mudgee. He's only got a small team in work. We spoke to him earlier in the week, so uh, good stuff. I think it was $5 at SP and $4.90 on the tote. Uh, musical Affair for the Wildman. Jake Pracy Holmes runs second for Matt Griffin, so uh, big odds around the 480 price. So that was Mudgee yesterday. And on the Saturday, of course, we had Tun Curry. And, uh, well, it was... Uh, a great little spectacle. They got through every single race here at Tuncurry. When we kept watching the vision on Sky Racing, it looked quite gloomy and quite a wet day up there on the mid-north coast. And the two horses that finished in the top two for Mark Quinn, uh, race eight, number two, Oz Star, paid nine fifty and three ten, And uh, the second place runner, a girl's best friend, rattled home and paid $1.95. Now, boys and Duff, you, you know that I love taking the mickey. There's, uh, and there's nothing better. And also, too, I think uh, we don't take enough of it in our 
great game. Well, you've got to, you know, have a bit of a laugh. I've been doing a country tour. Now, I was in Mudgee and spoke with David Smith on Thursday morning. And on Tuesday morning, I was live in Tuncurry and I spoke with Mark Quinn. And the gentleman that spoke to me before, Mark, was Luke Spicer, the track manager. Now, on Monday night in Tuncurry, they copped 40 mil of rain. They copped more rain on, of course, the day. But safe to say that Mark was pretty flat when I spoke to him on the airwaves on Tuesday. And, uh, well, we all know what happened next. No, not at all. I'm more concerned about when I heard Luke Spicer say it was a heavy 10. Really knocked the wind out of my sails this morning because uh, both my horses are on top of the ground horses. And, uh, yeah, so they're really good. I'm really happy with them. And, and I'm not, no, I'm not worried about 15 back to 14. That's not a problem in the world. I'm just... I just very despondent when I heard the heavy ten this morning. A lot of horses in the race are wet trackers, but I ain't two of them, so we're going down hoping now. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be in the trenches with you in Gallipoli. We'd be gone. <laughs> Come on, we've got to fire up, Mark. Give us something. Well, in the self-interest part, I'd love to see them get 80 mils on Friday and they move the meeting somewhere. That'd be perfect. But it's Ozstar in front. Ozstar, the mid-north coast country champion. Ozstar racing away. Ozstar beat a photo of a girl's best friend or Bantaki. Listening to Sky Sports Radio and Punters Post Mortem. Yeah, welcome back to Punters Post Mortem on this Monday. I'm still gone. You know when it just lands in your lap, Duff, and you're just uh, a moment of a moment of just comedy uh, with what happened there on Tuesday. As I said, well done to to Mark Quinn and also uh, the team David Smith there from winning. But mate, he was feeding in a scratch. He was yeah, in a scratch on Tuesday, and that wins by five. <laughs> he wanted the meeting transferred. Unbelievable! They were very, <laughs> they were very lucky to get through that meeting. So congratulations to them. It was very hairy uh, from race one onwards. As uh, any other day, it might have been off that meeting. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, now, I want to ask about a couple of texts. And thirteen fifty three fifty three is the open line number. Uh, we touched on Mister Brightside at the start. Um, Obviously, from a betting perspective, it was nice and short. Um, what did he do on the clock in this futurity? Um, was it just trademark Mr. Brightside, Gator? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, obviously, a really uh, strong speed set by Buffalo River, uh, even three lengths above Group 1 average at near 47 flat, first 800. Overall time, pretty much bang on, Group 1 class average. So that answers your question, probably. He was 0.7 of a length under, to be precise. But... Um, yeah, I mean, he was he was quite dominant, a length and a half. You know, he's, he's, he just does what he does. And, you know, there's been better horses, no doubt. Um, but I can't remember too many that are more bulletproof and that with more strings to their bow than this guy. I mean, he, he can sort of a fast speed, slow speed, wet, dry, Melbourne, Sydney. Uh, he can sit wide. He can race on the fence. Uh, <laughs> there aren't too many. You can go forward, back. Uh, aren't, aren't too many that can do that. Yeah, you want to get a good argument. Um, let's put out a question. Who's the better horse, Mr. Brightside or a Manning Warrior? Uh, there'll be some debate there uh, because they're very, very, there's not a split match between those uh, two horses as far as when they met with a bob of the head and what they've done since. Um, so uh, we saw two great races, uh, two great horses um, in different countries that are very similar over the weekend. Who do you think's better, Duff? I don't know. I don't know. Bob of the head stuff. Who do you think's better, Chris? Well, the international rate, the international rate. Oh, here we go. You'd have to take Mr. 
take um, Romantic Warrior. It's about six, five points in front of the other one. So, you know, it's just it, it just shows how how our racing is not seen as the um, not as seen as the as equal of Hong Kong. So, but my my opinion would be at the moment, Mr. Brightside's race done it at all distances and Romantic Warrior well trained for two thousand metres. Yeah, uh, I think um, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, what about some of the runs in behind Gator? Because we've seen that when we get these good horses, like a Mr. Brightside, we can start to look at horses behind. And although you know a Buffalo River has been beaten two point seven, or this Hay Fat Cat who just is backed up again gets beaten three point six, when they jump out of this grade or jump away from these horses, they can then bob up and uh, and get us some cash. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you take Mr. Brightside out of it and Pericles is bound to wear down Buffalo River. Uh, hey, Fat Cat and Munamek, the sectional stars from the back. Attrition, the forgive run, he's better than that. Um, so, you know, they're, they're effectively, you know, group two horses, aren't they? The Pericles and Buffalo Rivers of this world. I think there's a good race in Hey, Fat Cat. It's just not, not at this level yet, at least. Now, what do we make of straight charge Duff? Because apparently the clock is off the charts when it comes to his performance. Uh, this silver slipper, again, Waterhouse Bot, top two in the race. Um, both very good colts. I think that's the... Um, there's your next level outside of Storm Boy that are, are the, the main threats. Straight charge is just your natural two-year-old. He just... Eye on the prize, ping, travel, conserve and sprint. And so every attribute, you need to be a good two-year-old. Where Espionage, he got a rev gunner in that first turn, got his head up, wanted to overreact. Uh, Nash spent, you know, 100, 150 metres just trying to switch him off where the other horse was already switched off and his wheels were spinning when Straight Charge let go. But I love the way he rallied with him the last 100 metres and I think he can turn the tables on him. Not only next time, but maybe in the slipper. I'm, you know, it'll be differing opinions there. But I just think Espionage is the horse that is the main threat to Storm Boy at this stage. But we've got okay. a, a good few weeks to go yet, and things change a lot. What uh, what was to come out of it news wise from the race, Chris? I think the punter's got it right. The um, once again Waterhouse Pot, eighteenth two year old winner for the year. Um, Love to see someone put up a market um, Waterhouse spot against the rest of the nation in the Golden Slipper because I think that'd almost be on time, wouldn't they? They've got they've got yes. four of the top five favourites. They've got and they've got more to come. I think we're going to see two two Dan Lizzie on the weekend and and, uh, and another good filly there. So they're going to have they're going to have six or seven in the race. And that race, I thought Straight Charge got control of it, and and as Duff said. He was the more uh, bulletproof two-year-old. He was a typical um, Tullock Lodge horse, come back, then sprinted and just dropped the espionage. He just kept coming. I think, you know, higher-pressure golden slipper espionage is going to be much better suited at 1,200 metres. I just want to be on him. I think he's he's the one I take out of that race, uh, out of the two. It's not decrying straight charges a, a chance in the slipper, but I think espionage might be better suited in, in that with a bit more pressure, and I think that... He's going to be very strong, strong at the um, twelve hundred metres. Yeah. What about yourself, Gator? Yeah, look, it was uh, pretty impressive. And you talk about the clock, and you know we can have all the hashtag data in the world, but I, I think um, uh, the times relative to the day are generally uh, king, at least for me. And everyone can slice it differently. It's your own money. Do whatever you want. But 
you know, if he's five one hundredths of a second off Shadows of Love, off a slower first five hundred, um, and he's run home thirty four four eleven twenty four, so absolutely identical to that really good older horse um, is is a, a terrific sign, I think, and there's no reason to think he won't be strong at the end of uh, of the trip as well uh, as he gets to twelve hundred metres and. Uh, even taking in red card on the day, he's run quicker than her um, off a slightly slower first 500. So we know red cards are proper, you know, bottom end stakes class, older mare. Now, from uh, a look at the slipper market uh, with the tab, of course, and we know that this is going to continue to change as the weeks roll on, but Stormboy 280. In fact, do you think, boys, that will change at all? Do you think there's any way that Stormboy won't start favouring a slipper? Well, he's got to run again next Saturday. Yeah, but if he was to go down, yeah, well, he 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 he'd be. Like if, if he was goes, to go down in a fighting finish, do you think they really react that much? Well, they're probably committed to him in the book. They're going to play their, what they're liable for, which would be plenty at this stage. So, yeah, you wouldn't like to see him get beat leading into a slipper. Although it's happened a lot of times in the past, and uh, uh, where a favourite just hasn't been right with the the, the lead up run he has to have before the grand final again. All right, so Switzerland seven dollars, straight charge nine, espionage eleven, Lady of Camelot thirteen, Shangri La Express thirteen, fully lit fifteen, uh, and the diamond winner there, Hayasugi at fifteen dollars also. So, what type of field, uh, Chris? Next week, do you think uh, some of the, the horses that Stormboy will be racing against? Well, I think they're going to send Prost around as well with him um, from the one out spot. But team, I think you'll find fully lit going to the Black Opal. So they're going to try and split these up. I think Shangri-La Express will probably see the Todman. Um, yeah, I don't think there'll be too many willing to take him on. And 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 at at this point, they'll wait for Slipper Day. I think a lot of them are going Todman rather than rather than the Skyline. So I think you'll find it'll, it'll be, be a walkover. Yeah, it'll be, <laughs> yeah. That's well, it's going to be the same as. Um, I think we're going to start to see some very small fields on the weekend because I don't think that there are many here who are keen to take fair girl on either. So, mm, they're, that's right. you know, good horse. Yeah, place your horse to the best of the, the best you can and keep yourself in the best company and your horse in the worst. So that's what's going to happen. Um, I think the fillies will be interesting. I think um, we'll get... If the fillies are going to be a factor in the slipper, we'll find out on Saturday because we'll be able to compare times as Gator said. Me. Comparing times on the day gives you... A, a good indication of where 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 they're at against each other. So, so really, um, we, we might see then a, a bumper black opal. Then, in, in years gone by, we might have seen a couple of nice horses stay in Sydney and compete because it's a little bit more level. But if they do, if you know Stormboy does scare a few off, we might see them down in Canberra. Well, that's on after the Todman. So, I would think you'd see um, a bigger Todman field than Skyline field, and the black opal will be you know, half a, do- a dozen horses down there, which will be the next level down. Um, as for Stormboy, well, if he if he was to get B, I don't think you I don't think the price would have a two in front of it anymore. If he was to win and win with authority, he might even he might even get to um, a really silly quote around even money. Mm. I agree. Um very, very interesting. There's a text on the text line here, boys. Um in relation to the Derby, Riff Rockets a six dollar equal favourite there with Tom Kitten. Um, Orchestral's at eight dollars, immediacy at eleven dollars. And I guess that the text here is just saying, has anything caught your eye 
for a derby or an Oaks at this early stage, or are you, we're non, non-committal at this stage just with everything that's going on? Uh, yeah, the derby's always uh, probably one of the better um, all-in betting races around because everyone thinks they got to... When they see something running on the from the back, they, they think there's a derby horse. I would have thought... Um, that horse I meant, Sea Wolf, twenty six dollars. Yep. I would have thought those two from Melbourne, um, Immediacy and Caracas, twenty six dollars. Uh, they would be the ones at first glance that I would be interested in. Oh, Kestrel's favourite for the Oaks uh, with Zardozzi, both locked in there at four fifty. She's flying Zardozzi. Yeah, she is. Quintessa's at eight dollars. Uh, and then you've got um, a bit of a jump to um, uh, Urihi uh, and Amazonian Lass, both at 15, Autumn Legend at 15, Baslina at 15. So uh, anything, Chris, that you've heard along the grapevine? Daisy will be ridden by Tom Markman in the um, in the surround on the weekend. So I think um, that gives you some indication that um gone to the European jockey on a very European filly. I think she's... I, I, I think she's... She, She'll, she should be favourite to me. I think she showed in the, the spring she's, she's just um, a, a star. And we've got this star. This We'll see all Crestful in the derby in New Zealand on the weekend. But she'll have to be very good to beat Zardozzi. She might take it. I spoke to James yesterday. He said she's a lot sharper this time. So don't be surprised at $15 she runs a race on, on the weekend in the surround. And I don't think um, Godolphin would be going there with her just to give her a run, because she's already got a Group 1, but a Group 1 at 1,400 metres would just add to her value. Mm. Which, she's never going to be sold, but, what's, you know... That, what's happening with J-Mac? Is J-Mac on something else in the race? Yeah, I think... Um, did he ride Tis Invincible first up? Uh, Tis Invincible? Uh, yes, he rode in the light fingers behind um, Kimochi. I'd say, I'd say he'd be, I'd say he'd be on, on, on it. I, that race is a... That's a great betting race, so... I, I, I can't get learning fly anywhere near what she is. So I think Tamachi's around seven placings at against three against her own age group and never been more than a length away from them getting seven dollars about them. Please, that's a great bet. <laughs> Must have been a pre-booking because James trialled her. James trialled Zardozzi, so that's interesting because you'd think that he'd be no, well, he'd, trying he'd, to get back on her somehow. Well, he might get on her on Oaks Day. Yeah, that's uh, true. He might, yeah, I think he gets on her when he wants to get on her. Yeah. Like he's not gonna, he probably just didn't think she'd be at 1,400 metres first up. Yeah, yeah. He, doesn't, he doesn't want to ride her when she can't win. And, yeah. and then but, sees Mark on flight down. He, he, he needs the money, Joe. The one I'd be, I want to have a look at on Saturday to see if I think she'll stay is um, that uh, horse of Peter Moody's, Moody's uh, Molly Nickers. Um, if she can stay, I think she's got timing to go through into those staying races. She's a nice horse, though. She is. She was very good in the vanity the other day. Um, and Ben Mellon rode her there. She's had... Uh, well, we haven't seen her since the flight, um, of course, up here. And there was a bit of a spruik no, around she for run, her. I think she ran the other day. She yeah, on the on... 17th. In yeah. Sydney. I mean in Sydney. We haven't seen oh, her sorry, since. sorry, yeah. Yeah. But that, I remember that day at the flight, there was a bit of spruik around for her. She firmed in that market, didn't she, behind Tropical Squall? I think no, there was, was a bit of a... Not much went right for her. She's no. a big, she was a big, raw, lean thing. And I thought, Jesus, I think you're going to get better next prep if you can fill into that frame. So I'm interested to see if there's any improvement in her going hey. forward. Moots had a lot of has a lot of good fillies too, so it'd be interesting to see where how he places them. Like he's, 
It's got a big team of those three-year-old fillies that um, have all been in markets for big races right through. Now, we've got uh, Mark on the line. G'day, Mark. Hey, hey, hey boys. Um, Duff, I've got a horse tomorrow that you might be interested to have a look at and even have a wager on it. But, uh, mm. It's in race eight called Know Thyself from the Pumatara uh, champ. Uh, it's only had one star for one win at, uh, in the provincials, and its win was really good. The time was slow. The sectional was very good for the last 600 metres. But when you watch the replay of this run, it's the last 200 metres... Behind the leader, it gets checked, can't get a run. But what it does in the last 100 metres, to get out of the pocket and win by two and a half lengths, and the thing I like about it is it was nominated for the ring with Phoenix, which I don't, obviously, I'm going to get a start in that. It was nominated today in the last, last race or the second last race at Newcastle, and he scratched that. And it's in a class one. These are the sort of races I like to have a pun on or gamble on because it's not benchmark racing. And from a good barrier draw... Um, there's a couple of good horses, like Tasty Honey's got form around Tom Kitten and plucked him on his last start. But I think this horse is going places, and I love the fact that he's, he's running over 400 moves. Uh, I thought it will give you a buzz to let you know about this horse for tomorrow, mate. All right, we'll keep an eye on it. Um, it's well bred by the Autumn Sun. 460 they went up. Stevie was doing the prices again. And uh, Ray, so 460 they went up at Scone on, uh, for tomorrow into 220. Okay. And they then on. they then put up Newcastle and went up only they went up shorter at Newcastle because they thought, oh, hang on, hang on a second, <laughs> oh, and then obviously they've scratched from uh, Newcastle today. But that was that's a Cessnock um, race club meeting today on the not on the Beaumont either. It's on the uh, course proper that uh, meeting today at Newcastle. Take note, but yes, going tomorrow uh, for Know Thyself two twenty. I think with horses like that, they're looking towards the. Uh, country championship, kind of country championship heat. There's sort of a sense of timing with uh, running this week into that that heat. So uh, I think Rob Norman's horse that ran second on the weekend um, will be heading there as well. Um, sharp, um, sharp shock, yeah, sharp shock. Like they they that's that's the sort of I think that there's a million dollars there. You'd, if it can win today, it probably we'd be looking to get enough points to get into a. Country championships. I don't. I don't think there'd be enough there to yeah. get in a heat. Wouldn't get enough points, yeah. would it, Chris? No. Well, just a, I think that's a, a bit lean up there this year. So you, know, you never know. You're right. But you, you put it in and see whether you can get get in. And if you nominate, you can then nominate for the wild card. So you have two cracks at it. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on uh, know thyself. As I said, four sixty into two twenty. So uh, it was well spotted and it was a good win. Uh, we've got uh, Peter on the line. G'day, Peter. Good morning, Dave. How you doing? Very good, mate. Just wanted to say that I went to Grafton Races Thursday. I asked pro punters, a bookie, three tab staff, about six other punters, if they knew how to log in to the QR code to do the tab special on Mr Brightside and the Imperators the week before. Yep. Not one of them knew how to do it. Mm. I just wanted to let you know, the the boys that run TAB, that we're not all tech savvy. And uh, I even come back to the bowling club at the Park Beach at Coffs Harbour and no one knew how to do it there either. Yeah, I spoke to Tim Ryan about that Saturday. Um, I said, do you think our what percentage of our customers do you know that think, know how to scan anything? Um, yeah, I don't know what this, why they think you've got to scan to get this offer. I don't know. Uh, I don't know the answer to it, but um, 
uh, I understand your frustration. It's yeah, quite think... easy to it's, it's quite easy to do it. It's easy to do it. If you know what you're doing. If you get your phone out, put your camera on and and point it at the screen, it'll pick up it and then you just it's press the screen on. it'll take you straight through to it. So um, I know it's once you do it once, you'll never forget how to do it, especially if you're getting two fifty about a horse that's just gonna walk in like with the right side. So um, just just have if you if you've got a uh, a son or daughter or a grandson or granddaughter Give them your phone and they'll they'll have it done for you in two minutes and probably open the account for themselves. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> All right, boys, have a good day. It's, uh, you know, I'm I'm a bigger punter than twenty dollars, so it doesn't bother me. But I just got to let you know. Yeah, seems to be the way of the world. You watch the cricket now; they want you to scan the TV. They want you to scan everything. <laughs> the old, but actually, uh, it's actually so they can get an coming. idea of who's watching too, Dave. I think it's a it's yeah, a way, of, no. way, way it's a as a it's a marketing point to find out uh, how many people it's it's done it's done so that not everyone you know they're not just putting it up they can find out they can find out a bit a bit more information about you which most things were about these so. All right, our next call the doctor. Doctor's on the line. Hello, mate. How are we? Very good. What's on your mind? Uh, not much. Uh, just uh, great great weekends racing. I just got to ask. The, the bloke with the QR code and a few things with the tab lately, I had some bets back on the 15th of February, and I'm not sure if a lot of the listeners know out there, it was a Thursday, and if you had a bet at an EBT, your tickets were uh, came up as nil pay and you couldn't collect your voucher or your winnings. And I just wanted to know, like being a tab corp uh, product that we're on, there's a lot of listeners out here that, would be listening in uh, tabs or their ra- or the, in their car or wherever, um, just to let them know if they did have a ticket from the 15th, uh, that, and it is a winner, there wasn't a protest, they can actually collect their money, but you have to fill it out online um, to admin at Tabcorp, but um, be very patient, because I sent mine in seven days ago and I haven't received a response, even of the notified email. Okay, so this, I know that on the 15th, and I might actually... Uh, get on to Tim Ryan or someone about this um, or someone from System Ops or whatever you want to call it because on the 15th, I remember this, I was in Albury. I was flying home from Albury and I was waiting at the airport and a lot of our punters would know if they were having a punt on the day. That was the day the tote went down. And, of course, when the tote goes down, all the corporates lose the plot as well because they can't pay out in their products and their results. Remember, there was an issue with resulting. So I'm fairly sure that was a Hawkesbury meeting as well on that Thursday. So this has now come to light that if you've had a bet on that day, there's obviously a tech issue with those particular tickets that have been processed. So that needs to be rectified um, straight away and needs to be known to process because there'd be a lot of people out there that would have, A, maybe kept the ticket, they might have kept the voucher, whatever it might be, and that needs to be sorted. So thanks for bringing that to light, Doctor. That's a pleasure, mate. And uh, horse to follow for the weekend, keep following Hard Rock, the first winner at Gosford. It was a good win. For Robert Downey Jr. who rode it, um, Hard Rock, he was heading straight for the bar. That was where the horse was going, Hard Rock. So, all right, beautiful. Thank you, Doctor. Yeah, I, want, I, I don't know if that's been spoken about, guys. Um, Duff, Gator, uh, Chris, in relation to um, that 15th. But, yeah, that is something that needs to be uh, be looked at because, as I said, the tote went down that day 
there was an well, there was an issue with resulting and, and totes and all sorts of things. And uh, if you have had a bit on that day, there might be some issues with your tickets if you haven't collected them as of yet. And there's a process that needs to be followed. So we'll talk to the team at Systems Op about that. But yeah, that needs to be um, needs to be sorted. Uh, Duff, I know you've got to go. Give us your horse to follow, and then I'll get Matt on the line who wants to uh, make another call here. Yep, Theo Wolf is um, one to follow. Espionage um, neck time. And Bandy's boy looks a beautiful country champ. He's got to get through a heat, but I think he's a beautiful horse for that race. Okay, so there's your horse to follow, Duff. We'll get that on the socials later. Have a good morning this morning. Matt's on the line, wants to talk about Autumn Angel. Hello, Matt. Good morning. What have you got for us, mate? I backed Autumn Angel on the weekend, and before the race, they were talking to Catherine Coleman, and she virtually said it's just going round for a run. I just wanted to know what she thought of the one of the run. Gator? Yeah, look, it's one of the bugbears of mine. Um, I think if you present a horse to the races, uh, whether it's a Gosford Maiden uh, or a dirt track at Port Augusta or a Group 1 race day, they should be there to win. You know, I think punters need to be treated with more respect than that. Um, now, she still might have won if she was given any hope, but she wasn't. Um, and I don't necessarily blaming the rider. He's back and inside the runners didn't appear. Um, when she was finally out, she zoomed late. It was actually a terrific run. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's rightfully questions that need to be asked because, you know, before the race, we were told uh, too close to the race for mine. <laughs> Everyone's had a bet by then um, that she, she's not going to win. And then she was ridden like she can't win. So, um, anyway, one of my many issues I've got in racing. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, this brings back the old uh, chestnut. Do you think we need to start betting on these races on a Wednesday? Uh, well, do, do you I, think I thought... do you think our turnover would be as high? Uh, because most of the prices that were released on a Wednesday uh, are snapped up within a matter of seconds mm. for very small amounts. Yep. But I'm just wondering, you know, if if we started and this was raised a couple of weeks ago on Punters Postmortem as well. If Saturday's markets weren't released until say Friday afternoon or or later in the week, would it have that drastic, uh, that much drastic? Downcline or, or you know, change in turnover because a lot of our turnover is done late in the piece, as we all, as we all know. What, what do you guys feel about that? Well, I think the, the, your, the what you say is, is I, I just don't know the answer. But sure, there's data that can hashtag data that can come up with that. What, what you're missing though, if if you're leaving markets late, is you're missing a lot of discussion around racing. Yes, um, that's 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 one of, thing. Yep, you know, and that's one thing that um, yeah, creates. Turnover and interest, and and you know, pub, you know, the public interest, and they're the things we're trying to uh, escalate. Chris, think, yeah, as soon as you have acceptances, like people want markets to go up earlier and earlier. Like there'll be markets today for Saturday's racing that people will be betting on. So um, I, I think it's just market forces. There's you're going to have to when the fields come out, you bet, and um, yeah, you've got a choice of when to bet, and your choice might be flavoured by what price you can get early that you won't be able to get late. But then you've got to take um, deductions and what might happen in the meantime and into into account. So I don't think that's a, that's a feasible argument. But with Autumn Angel, um, Gator, was there anything in the stewards report at all? Uh, a lot. I think, um, yeah, it wasn't, uh, wasn't uh, quite Tolstoy areas, but... 
close to it. Um, but yeah, they certainly questioned the ride and, and went through the ride. So back, didn't take a run, perhaps. You know, they, they didn't say didn't take a run. They just said, uh, was that option there? And um, Billy Egan stayed inside. And it was probably a better day to be inside as well. So no knock there, but just the run didn't appear. And um, finally clear, you know, uh, 100 out and, and she zoomed home. So they would have been pleased with the run. But she was a $4.40 equal favourite, so it's not as if she was 300 to 1. And even if she was 300 to 1, I think she should be there to win the race, you know. And that's why we love Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott and and, and these sort of stables, that if they turn up first up or 56th up, uh, they're there to win. Mm. And I can can sort of get to where when a horse wins two or three in a row, it quickly gets a, a following. People love betting on horses they've won on before and, you know, I know trainers are trying to peak horses for certain races and things like that, but there's nothing nothing more inviting to a putter than a picket fence next to a horse's nose. All right. Uh, boys, just get some horses to follow from Chris and Gator. I'll come to you first, Gator. All right. You've got two from uh, each of the uh, wonderful two states, and they are Canberra Legend, who loved his trial before the first set run, um, who's the best run in the race and can win a good race this prep. Vienna Princess, terrific against the race shape. Two from Caulfield, Benedetta, lovely return, and Lady of Camelot, we've touched on her. Chris? I'm not jumping on Tom Kidd, and I think he'd be better soon as the races get longer. I think he just got into an awkward spot there. Um, I think he can turn the tables in the guineas. I thought Belvedere boys, he's going to the country championship wildcard. I think you'll find Nash might, if it's on a Sunday, Nash might even go down there, go up there and ride him at Scone. So stick with him. He was very good from back in the field. And Sue gotcha. If we get wet, soft uh, edges off the track, she's going really well. She presented really well on Saturday and she and she just did the job against the horse that's in, uh, very much in form. And I think she can go through and win another group one this preparation. Thanks, gentlemen. Have a great day.